Hello and welcome to Tapcaf Transmissions, the only Star Wars podcast live at this time talking about Shatterpoint by Matthew Stover. I am your host for the week, Corey, joined as always by my ennui-feeling co-host, Mr. Eckhart's Ladder. How are you doing, Justin? I don't feel very much ennui right now. At least I don't think so. Well, but, uh, I'm doing... Sorry, go ahead. Well, yesterday you uh, you were down and out for other reasons. How are you feeling after your vaccine adventures? I actually feel so. Yeah, I got my my second dose two days ago. Yesterday I was like knocked out on my ass, and uh, today I feel like today I actually feel better than normal. Like I feel like 110 percent today. Nice. I'm going on Saturday for my second dose, so I'm kind of looking to you for a preview of what to expect. Uh, what, are you, what are you getting or what, I, what did you I don't get think they getting? I got Pfizer the first time they don't tell you until you're there for at least mm. or at least they didn't tell me the first time I could look at my vaccine receipt and appointment and see if it says anything but I don't think it does mm. I I assume I'm gonna get Moderna second but yeah yeah a lot, a lot of, of the Moderna. Americans were kind of because uh, I guess in America they don't do the yeah. the swapping but they do in a lot of other countries including Canada um and yeah, it's partially because of shortage. Like we don't have as many Pfizer, I guess. Uh, and all the research seems to suggest that if anything, you might actually be better off having one of each. Yeah, it's um, there's nothing really to suggest it's worse or that it's really different. It's more of a delivery mechanism that's changing. Mm-hmm. So it's who knows. But yeah, this isn't the uh, vaccine talk podcast. Yeah, but everyone should go get one. Mm-hmm. They're free. Mm-hmm. Is there anywhere where they're not free? Uh, if the companies had their way, then probably. But <laughs> all right. Yeah, so we any, are. Uh, any news we want to talk about before we get into the book? Yeah. So we just got an announcement today. A uh, big announcement from EA on mm. what to expect Jeez. in Star Wars gaming, and nothing. <laughs> expect nothing. nothing. Yeah. Honestly, I do kind of appreciate them being so upfront. Like, so for those who don't know, EA Play is. I honestly haven't been paying attention. I think it's a week and a half from now because I kind of figured there'd be nothing. Yeah. Um. And yeah, now we know for sure that there's going to be no Star Wars news at EA Play. Um. I, my only real hope was we'd get a bit for Jedi Fallen Order too, but I figured that was 2023 anyway. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Like. On the one hand, I'm uh, I'm willing to chalk it up to like pandemic delaying everything and making everything harder to make. So as far as that goes, maybe kind of is what it is. But on the other hand, like I do, I really expect we would have gotten anything announced if it wasn't for that. Maybe Fallen Order would have been announced if not for that. But yeah, I still... mean, I feel like everything has probably been like I'm just going to assume everything has been pushed back like a year. Um just because of like COVID and whatnot. So yeah. Yeah. So it's still a bummer though. Like it, it is still a bummer because you're yeah. always kind of hoping there's something secret because now we essentially know there's going to be nothing until like 2023. Like we're going to get fallen order two, And that's pretty much it. And Lego star Wars, maybe. Um, so yeah, we also it, don't know what's going on with that. That's also like a year off. Like or you're past its like initial release date, so 
Yeah, especially it's especially weird, though, having them say they're like doubling down on Star Wars games mm-hmm. and then have like nothing to announce. If you're going to say that, at least like wait until maybe you're close to having something to announce or. Yeah, because I don't know, I guess doubling down on nothing is still nothing. So. Yeah, and I mean, you can um, like you can over announce things. Like, I think Star Wars as a whole, when it comes to movies, tends to over-announce. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, we've got a million things that may or may not come. And you kind of lose a bit of uh, trust in the brand when they do that. Because you're like, okay, this movie's supposed to come, but so are all these other ones. But they're doing the opposite now, where they're completely under-announcing. Like, tell us you're working on something, even if it's years off. Like, gamers are used to waiting for things. Like, you can tell us a game that's not going to come out for five years or four years like that's why i'm a little concerned like maybe there is nothing yeah um yeah i think that's the the fear that some people would have is like oh is this because there's not going to be anything for another four or five years because like it's very unlikely we get anything that's not from ea until 2024 like 2023 is the absolute earliest that that can be uh but that'll probably be when we start hearing about more of the games that are potentially being made like we know ubisoft's doing uh, the open world one, uh, which we know essentially nothing about, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it sucks. Uh, I'm hoping that like once the the switch flips in 2023, whenever that day is, that like someone's been working on one for a while. Because um, I assume, I mean, we knew last year that the contract was going to run up, so I, I I'm going to assume also that Lucasfilm has been telling people. For a few years that like the contract's going to be up um so maybe someone's been working on it but i mean at this point who knows just a mess yeah like ea will still be making games after uh after the exclusivity's up one of the things that i've seen a lot of people say uh is like the idea that they're losing the exclusivity contract means they're not allowed to make star wars games and that's just yeah. completely false it's just they're no longer the publisher for star wars games that's gone back mm-hmm. to lucasfilm games which is kind of a restructured LucasArts, but still more of a vestigial version of what it used to be. They're licensing it out to more publishers now rather than having EA kind of take it, take the position that LucasArts used to, which is mm-hmm. kind of the arrangement they used to be under. So you will still see yeah. EA making Star Wars games, just you're going to see other people making it too. They haven't been disbarred by Disney, by Disney from making Star Wars games. And also for me... This kind of makes the decision not to support squadrons like even more kind of a head scratcher yeah. because there's like nothing coming. Like if you had squadrons and if you if they pumped that up even as like not even a triple A game but as like a double A game with support, which is like you see with a lot of games, like is um I don't know, like there's lots of really popular shooters, for example, that like initially probably didn't meet the triple A standard um of like dev time and production costs and stuff, but like they get supported so much. It's like you've got nothing else here right now. Like that would have been something decent at least to fill the gap. So I don't know. It it doesn't make sense to me. I'm kind of curious what EA Play could even really have because like I think it's also been said there's not going to be anything for Mass Effect and yeah they said Mass uh, Effect. I think they said Dragon Age. Yeah, like any other big properties. It seems like there's nothing going on right now. Well, Mass Effect we kind of know there's something being made, but yeah they're making they're making a game. Yeah. But anyway, they, they said they're working on like the next adventure in the universe. But yeah. 
We're not here to talk Mass Effect today. We're, We're going to talk... rename Andromeda because no one really played it the first time and then hope uh, that <laughs> no one notices that it's the one that they were mad at before. Some slight <laughs> changes. I, I, yeah. Did, did you get through the Mass Effect trilogy, by the way? I am half, not half, I'm somewhat of the way through two right now. Because I've it? never, yeah, I've, I've never played Mass Effect other than a few hours in Mass Effect 1 when it first came out. Mm -hmm. uh so legendary is a new experience for me and i've avoided mm -hmm. spoilers for like 15 years now so i have like a few vague notions of some stuff that happens mm -hmm. but for the most part i don't know my Tyrians from my Corians, so i'm in a i'm just there's learning like as one Corian and one Turian that i know so yeah well i didn't know I mean, which it... was which at first so okay i mean it's also kind of a hard a game with multiple endings is also kind of hard to spoil but um but yeah. I well I I know that there's something big happens at the end of three. I don't know what that is. I have no idea what the thing that people have been talking about. I will and say about that the years. trilogy does come to a conclusion. That's absolutely a thing that happens. Yeah, like I I don't know what form that takes. I don't know why people have been mad for so long about it. Uh, I just know that the the extent of my knowledge about what happens in Mass Effect Three is a screenshot of Garrus kind of laying in a corner, and that's it. And, uh, okay. I don't, so, I don't even know what that context that would be. Yeah. So please, no one tell me. I don't want to okay. hear it. All right. So let's talk about the book. Um, we're Didn't talking about one. Okay. We're done. Thanks, everyone. Uh, okay. We're talking about Shatterpoint, um, a Mace Windu story, I think is the subtitle. Um, <laughs> when I was making the thumbnail, I had to fight really hard not to put that instead of tap capture image. So I'm glad I'm glad Shout it was going point, through your <laughs> Mace Windu a Star Wars story, A Heart of Darkness is the full yeah. title, I believe. I was gonna say uh, I accidentally read Heart of Darkness instead. Do you want to um do you wanna give a brief overview of what happens in this book? Right. So uh Mace Windu, uh famous Jedi Master, is met with news that his former apprentice and fellow Jedi Master Depa Balaba, who mm -hmm. there's a whole other thing going on here, but like, is there cronyism going on with how they appoint the Jedi Council? Because like, all of Yoda's apprentices down, Mace Windu, all that, like, it questionable. So we'll definitely need to get into that. Yeah, because Depa's basically like his daughter as well. They're very yeah. close, and she's also a Jedi Master at this point. Yeah, because like on the Yoda, Count Dooku, Obi Wan, they skipped Qui Gon because Qui Gon was too much of a renegade, a bad boy in the mm -hmm. Jedi. Uh, and you've got Mace Windu, you've got Depa, then for some reason Opo or Incisus, but who knows how he fits in, what dirt he's got. He would just look too weird. Nobody wanted to talk to him and say no. <laughs> but uh but yeah, so Depa's been on Howard and Cal, which is Mace Windu's homeworld. She's she was sent there to fight off the Separatists because it's kind of at the the focal point or the shatter point of a bunch of other systems that they need to control for the sector. And she's been gone for a while, and Mace gets this ominous message, and she's been lost to the jungle. So Mace gets his gear together, heads back home, and heads into the jungle to find Depa and drag her home. In the meantime, yeah. he learns about love, life, civilization, the jungle, and uh, Car. Yeah. yeah. So the Jedi are kind of fucked at this point, like the things they're doing. Um, so Depa was basically leading an insurgency group on this planet, and it's kind of like a colonial action almost. 
but also it's like a proxy war between the... So there's like a couple things going. First of all, there's a proxy war between the Republic and the CIS, which the Republic have kind of won. They've pushed the CIS off the planet using this guerrilla group. But the guerrilla group also existed to fight this kind of like larger colonial war against these off-worlders. Um, the planet, uh, Harunkal, is um, covered in these jungles. Uh, there's not that much actual livable land, but the, the part of the, the land that is livable is covered in these jungles, which have lots of rare uh, minerals and fungi and just other things, bark from trees uh, that these off-worlders want to use. And there's kind of been this long uh, war between the off-worlders and the local population called the Summertime War, uh, which has just been ongoing um, for a very long time. So that's what Depa ends up kind of getting caught in. Even after she ends up winning her her war, she sort of decides to stay uh, on the planet and help the the Corrin, uh with this other conflict they've been living, basically. Yeah, so the the Balawai or offworlders are mm -hmm. trying to harvest all the jungle stuff, and then yeah. the Karanai are basically trying to fight the jungle back with their uh, grazer herds and everything to not die. But mm -hmm. uh, the prospectors are always going out armed, so they come into conflict conflict with the Karanai, and it just turns into a constant, persistent war. Mm -hmm. Um. So I guess I guess. Now, the, this is a very different Star Wars book. I talked about this a bit in a video and on Twitter and stuff. It is also a Matthew Stover novel. Um, wait, yeah, is it's it, Shatterpoint, it, a Matthew Stover story. Yeah. So do you just want to give your general impressions on it before we continue? Because it is, it's different. Yeah, so I've actually read three of Matthew Stover's four novels recently, because we did episode three recently, but I was also doing mm -hmm. an NJL reread. And he wrote Traitor in New Jedi Order, which is actually a very similar book in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. It's uh, This is basically a character study of Mace Windu looking at the role of the Jedi and Mace's view of civilization and kind of like the Jedi and the Republic as the bulwark of civilization against the metaphorical jungle. Uh, mm -hmm. And in Traitor, it's the breaking of Jason Solo by Vergeer. Uh, which gets recontextualized later with Sith Fergier. And that's that. a whole different thing. But uh, but yeah, so... it It's something that he does a lot and that we kind of praised with the Episode 3 novelization of just how well he was able to portray the characters and their motivations. And mm -hmm. so both with Traitor and Shatterpoint, you get kind of... 400 pages of just examining one character and what makes them tick and what their motivations mm. are. Uh, and so both are actually quite a bit darker than you'd kind of expect, even from yeah. uh, the Del Rey period, which was generally darker than what you get in Bantam, which is a lot more uh, kind of like fantasy and lighthearted, fantasy, yeah. silly. Yeah. Cause like there's war in star Wars is always so sanitized and it's just yeah it's the, not in this book yeah like you've got kids killed um you've got kids as child soldiers you've got like slaughter it's like it's not like faceless clone is killed by faceless battle droid yeah it's not like versa. cool guy in armor using epic weapon and like the epic weapons are in here almost everything gets name dropped fully described but uh 
it was almost kind of a way to keep that element of it while showing like when this is still happening in those other places, this is the reality of what's going on on the ground. Yeah. Like they talk about Mace's usual role and the Jedi's usual role as generals being kind of like the bird's eye view of what's going on with their clones uh, mm-hmm. and with the battle droids compared to actually being in the thick of it. And then Mace kind of thinks of it as like, oh, what's going on here is so separate from what's going on in the rest of the Clone Wars or what's going on in the rest of the galaxy. But those lines get a lot more blurred as he starts to realize like what the reality of those wars are and what the reality of civilization is. I still don't think he quite gets it, though. No. He's... Like, I, I think, for one, this book could be called Mace Windu Makes Everything Worse. Yeah. Like, objectively. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, though. Continue. No, that was, that's what I was done. Because, yeah, I, I I think Mace kind of misses the big point. He's on the, and he misses, like, the latter half of, like, the Heart of Darkness yeah. style book, where it's like his He misses whole, the point where idea, London is the jungle, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His whole idea is, and this is where, like, I really, really liked the first half of this book, and the second half fell apart for me mm-hmm. a little bit. Not to the point where I disliked it, but to the point where it, it moved it from, like, an S tier to, like, an A tier, or maybe even a B tier, probably an A. Yeah. But like the first half was just really, really good and completely different. And then the second half falls back on this. It's like a big battle. All A lot of the kind of themes and stuff developed in the first bit are thrown away. And Mace kind of misses the point. And this is like the latter half of Heart of Darkness, where he thinks it's civilization, in, which is, you know, the opposite of the jungle. And it's civilization, which will stop all the cruelty and the brutality. When, like, in reality, he's in the middle of what he would probably call a civilized war. It's a war over, like, over civilizations and a war over star systems having trade rights and stuff. Like, he's being killed by civilized, uh, or not he's being killed, but people are being killed by civilized weapons. And it's just like, he's he misses the entire point where, like, it, and they even kind of talked about this earlier. It's like, the jungle doesn't try to kill you. Like, the jungle does kill you sometimes, but, like, mm-hmm. that's just, like, that's just, just nature. Is. Yeah, it just is. And like that's something that I was kind of hoping he would he would come to realize at the end. Like he even goes on this weird rant about like the the myth of the noble savage and stuff. And I was just like he's so missing the point where yeah. like he's in the middle of a war where like these incredible weapons are bombarding planets and like he just really misses he's really off the mark there. Yeah. I guess we could talk about uh, we could just get straight into the nightmare and slash vision thing because that relates both sure. to Traitor to uh, how he's perceiving the conflict, the conflict overall, the relationship between uh, Coruscant and Horn Cal. Maybe and... we'll just want to just set the the kind of. Well, I figured you, this might be a thing point. for you to do since uh, okay. this has been a big obsession for point for your. Sure. So basically, Mace arrives on Haroon Call. Um, he's he's tracking Depa. Depa leaves in this message, by the way, uh, where she's like gone fully mad, and she's like she's a Jedi who can see now, and it's the most dangerous thing there is, and she's become the Knight, et cetera, et cetera. So he travels to the planet. Uh, he's got to find contact with this guerrilla group um, who she was basically leading. Uh, he eventually finds through a series of mishaps. He's in the city for a while. Uh, but he gets sent out into the jungle and he finds uh, this guy named Nick and his crew. And they're basically, this is kind of my favorite part of the book, what a lot of people call pretty boring. He's w- going through this jungle, kind of occasionally coming across these atrocities, whether it's people being hanged 
or like children killed or like whatever else. Um, a bunch of bad things happen to people he's with. And eventually like the jungle just has such a toll on him that he's having all these nightmares. He's totally in his head. Um, he's like on the edge of the dark side, even when nothing like super dramatic is happening to him. It's just like the kind of weight of everything is almost like inescapable and he can't get out. And he has this dream on one occasion, um, which I kind of talked about in a video and on Twitter, where he sees Coruscant covered in a an alien jungle, much worse than on Haroon Call. He sees it, uh, the Senate being destroyed and the Jedi being destroyed, the planet being orbitably bombarded. Um, is there something else, Corey, that I'm forgetting? Uh, no, I think that's that's the gist of it. So a lot of people take that as a uh, as a Yuzhan Vong reference, which I think is is definitely a valid interpretation, and maybe like I, I like I, I think that's perhaps even what the author was hinting at. But my thing is that I think that interpretation is much less important than like the like this isn't really at least the first half of the book is not really like a big lore book. It's more like a introspective kind of um, thoughtful thing. Um, so for me, like, this is clearly more about he's worried that, like, his representation of peace and everything good, which is Coruscant and civilization, and the Senate building itself is being destroyed and overtaken by this jungle. Um, so it's like the, the, the debate has raged online for, you know, over a decade about whether he meant the Yuzhan Vong or whether it's just an allegory. I kind of fall down on the the side of it's mostly an allegory and any kind of connection is secondary. Um, but yeah. So the, the exact passage is uh, in my dreams here, I've seen the destruction of the Jedi, the death of the Republic. I've seen the temple in ruins, the Senate smashed and Coruscant itself shattered by orbital bombardment from immense ships of impossible design. I've seen Coruscant, the seat of galactic culture become a jungle far more hostile and alien than any on Harun Kal. I've seen the end of civilization. Uh, so, like, I agree with you that, like, the primary purpose there is the this, the broader themes of the book in that it's, uh, I don't know if it's meant to be, like, a, a force vision or, like, I don't think that would be what its primary purpose is of, like, cool tie into the Vong. But I do think it is definitely meant or comes from the Vong forming of Coruscant. Like, I think it would be very difficult for it not to have come from that, considering this was written literally right after Trader by Stover. Like, when he was doing the press tour and interviews for Trader, he was in the middle of writing Shatterpoint. And Trader is kind of the yeah. book that was most based on uh, Yuzon Tar. So I do think that, like, primary purpose is absolutely yeah. the those themes. But... I do think that there's a definite intentional connection to use on tar. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and, and like, there's certain things that are like the use of alien, for example, mm -hmm. is a good one. I guess for me, like my big problem is like, in from an, from an out of universe point, I definitely think you're right. Like for the reader, but for like Mace Windu himself. And like, if you're actually looking at, it's like the, if the force is going to warn Mace Windu or scare Mace Windu with one thing, for one, I think the Clone Wars is far, far more destructive for, like, the ideals that Mace Windu holds dear, where basically it plunged the galaxy into lawlessness and and fascism for, like, two decades plus and destroyed the Jedi. Then, like, the Yuzhan Vong War, 
which is like far less of a pressing issue to Mace himself um, and far more kind of irrelevant. Because like another one of the themes throughout the whole book is the fact that like Mace Windu is also on this planet experiencing something that is going to spread galaxy wide. Like he's seeing um, how the natives of the planet are kind of how they've adapted and become cruel and hard to this war. And he's kind of realizing that everybody across the galaxy is going to, you know, um, going to turn this way eventually, or that's what he's scared of. Well, I think there is kind of a, a distinction between the Empire and the Yuuzhan Vong War that would be thematically important for Mace, where he does make a... When he's considering what's happening with Depa, especially, he does make a, a clear distinction between the dark side as, like, evil intent, uh, as, like almost part of civilization that he can understand and grasp and deal with and will even accept to a certain extent. Whereas the kind of like darkness that he's sensing in Depa is totally alien to him. And that's the thing that he's really afraid of. So the empire, as much as it would be just a complete obliteration of everything he thinks he believes in, it's conceivable for him. Whereas when he's coming to Harun Kal and the lack of civilization, it's, just understanding that that can be a thing is something that he struggles with. So mm-hmm. even if you were looking at it from just uh like, I don't think that reference, if the themes of the book weren't what they were, I don't think that reference to Coruscant being taken over would have been put in there. But mm-hmm. I think even if you look at it as a reference to Yuzantar, it does work for the kinds of things that Mace is just struggling to come to terms with. Like this can apply to Coruscant in ways that you don't think it can. Like, if you lose the Clone Wars, that's... Mm. It's not just like this, oh, two armies shake hands with the generals, and then everyone's happy no, having been blown you up. agree. You agree. Um, I'm sorry, you're right. You're I agree. agree. <laughs> you agree. You agree. No, I, I agree. I think... I think... You're a Colomai. I think I let my... Um, yeah. I think, I think I let my kind of... Frustrate. I think my frustration really is the fact that like there are so few opportunities in Star Wars where you can like take something as like a deeper meaning, mm-hmm. you know, or to like actually look at something and like give it even just even it's it's a very basic theme and it's not a unique theme, but it's like you could take it thematically or you can kind of take it from a lore perspective and it's just I guess my my main frustration is like the fact that this is one of those cases and it's the thing that people are focusing or seem to have focused more on for the past kind of decade and a half is just the, the lore thing. If that makes sense, I guess. No, you're definitely agree with that. And, uh, <laughs> like I, I've got a video that I'm doing for this weekend, just complaining about like everything being taken at just at face value in star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I complained to you about Godel goob and Farbog. Yeah. So it's about that. And like the, the thing with Dr. Afra a couple years ago where uh patina vor was like trying to claim responsibility for the empire and like it was so difficult for some people to just accept like no this is what one character in universe is saying their perception is so then when you get to like something even more abstract than that of just what are the themes of the story being told there are a lot of there's a lot of elements of like people just are unwilling to look past star wars as this 
list of things that happened in a universe that doesn't exist to like, no, these are stories being told with an intent to the messages that they have or the, the things the characters are going through for a purpose beyond just saying, this is a date when this thing happened. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, You're agree. I, I, this is why I kind of got in a fight, oh, not a fight, but I got in a little disagreement with some of the, the star Wars wiki mods or editors on their discord, because I basically put a tweet out saying that, the the editors lack nuance sometimes, which is is probably unfair. I understand why that hurts some people's feelings, but my my point was kind of the same as yours. Where like not everything should be taken at face value, and not everything needs to be kind of made into a point that can fit nicely into an encyclopedia. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. But one thing uh, that was kind of weird to me here is just how on board with Palpatine Yoda and Mace Windu both seem to be. Yeah, especially uh, Mace. Yeah, which I don't know how much that tracks with even the Revenge of the Sith level, but like obviously that's much later in the war, but it seems like an Attack of the Clones are a bit more wary of Palpatine than they were here. Yeah, yeah, it's... I think... Yeah, it's 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 weird too because of how little that part's in the book. Um, yeah. But but I yeah, think, he like, is on the planet for a lot. But yeah, it's I wasn't sure what to think about that either. It is a thing that seems to be mostly set up for the theme. So like any interpersonal conflict between the three of them gets kind of pushed aside to have Palpatine be this representative of like he's kind of put forward as the embodiment of civilization in a way that uh, Carvaster is put toward put forward as like. Uh, the embodiment of the jungle and the like the important element there being that obviously Palpatine is this being of pure yeah. evil in a more traditional sense. Yeah, what I'll say is Palpatine is kind of going with the dedicated bureaucrat or like dedicated politician, like my life is for the Republic thing. And he's still going for that in Revenge of the Sith and the Stover novelization. It's just like I think at that point Yoda and Mace have really seen through it because they've seen him just like grasp yeah. for more and more power. So maybe that's like the the main difference by that by that point, I guess. Yeah. And at that point, like the only reason that they don't suspect him of being the Sith Lord is because he's already in charge. So yeah, exactly. That's really like, gone he's already downhill. got enough power. So yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so so they're going through the the forest for a while. Um, they lose a couple of the group members. What did you think of uh, of the the band, especially Nick? Nick is kind of Mace's right hand man throughout this book. Yeah, I like Nick. Uh, mm-hmm. Chalk was all right too. Like there there aren't that many actual characters in the book, and then you have like Besh and Lesh who are just kind of there to die. They're the red shirts of the group, but I like Nick. Um, I listened to the audio version of this and it was really well done. It was the new Legends re-release, so it was like the first time this had gotten I think it may have gotten an abridged audiobook before. Um, but they had a guy who did a good job with Mace Windu and Nick was saying she a lot, almost like what's his name from the office? Or from the office. Um what's his name from the wire? Very different show. Um <laughs> I'd love to see a What's that guy's name? The anyway, he guy says she all the time, like like shit. I, like, it, does that translate? Is that in the the novel somewhere? Yeah, yeah. He, okay. It's like S H E E in italics. Okay, 
Because I was going, she. And I was yeah, like, I would... what is, is, he, is he saying shit? Like, what's he saying? <laughs> I was afraid that Nick had died at the end because he's too great to die. But I think he's in, like, uh, Shadows of Mindor as well. Because, like, Carvaster's in Shadows of Mindor. I think Nick is, too. Mm-hmm. I think working for Kronal. That's another story that's kind of the same thing. We're like, we're going to have to talk a lot about what's being taken at face value. Because isn't that the one that's like a... Yeah, it's like... Explicitly a, just a secondhand story or whatever. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. It's been a long time since I read that, and I didn't know the characters, so... But, but, but Carvaster's kind of an interesting one. He's... I don't know. People call him Mace Windu's brother. I don't know if that's exactly what their relationship was. Um, he calls him Doshalom. Um, which, like, I thought could have meant cousin or something. Yeah, it, they're just in the same clan, so in the same or clan, like, yeah, family. But like so. all the you know clickbait YouTubers are like Mace Windu's brother, who was more powerful than it. like whatever. Yeah, that's but, um, not. But yeah, um, Carvaster. What do you what do you think of that character? Because that that's a bit of the the old Star Wars. People complain that he's a bit of Star Wars power creep. He's like, he, he is more powerful than Mace Windu. Like, at least when I cut, like, he beats Mace Windu's ass. Like, he beats bad. Mace Windu's ass, but like, the thing that he's shown as being really good at is excelling in that particular environment, right? Like, mm-hmm. the thing that wins him the fight with Windu, like, he's good at fighting, he's strong in the force, but he's using the force in a way like that is kind of unique to that area. Like, Mace is kind of blinded by everything going on in the jungle his ability to uh kind of sense what's going on around him is clouded the entire time but that's that's where carvaster learned to use his own power and he's Mm -hmm. able to get mace to fight him on his own terms he's able to get everyone to fight him on his own terms and like mace is the first one that comes and challenges that in any way so he's definitely really really powerful but i don't think he is like the demigod that he seems to sometimes get. Um, yeah, I it's mean, mostly it, fear of him that gets people going. What just happened? Just kicked my desk. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's it's, and Mesa's kind of dealing with that too because he's like, man, this guy's doing more than we ever could, and like, or, or he's doing things that I could never have done, and I trained my entire life like dedicating myself to the Jedi arts, and he's just. Like the healer, or I guess that's more Depa who's saying that, like the healing yeah. arts and stuff. But um, well, the Jedi have to learn like restraint and things point. like that, whereas Car is just like pure instinct in a lot of ways. That's how he's kind of represented. He literally to be. loses the ability to like talk as a human because he's he did his Tom Peltracock or Tom Cock, Tov or whatever it's called. Um, I can't remember what it is, but his like journey into the into the jungle mm-hmm. without any uh. But yeah, um, I, one thing I didn't like about his character was the continual, like, is he or isn't he, like, a fully bad guy. Um, whereas, like, he keeps double-crossing Mace, and it's like, oh, he wasn't really double-crossing him, then he's saving him, and then, you know, at the end, it, he kind of does double-cross him. And that was a bit tiring. I, I kind of wish that he had just kind of been dealt with earlier, maybe. Yeah. Like, I... I think it was always pretty clear that he's like terrible in a lot of ways, but he is like, he really is just a representation of their circumstances. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't feel like he was terrible, like because he cares about his clan. 
he's not he doesn't straight up kill people who um who don't deserve he's it. He's good as kills them though. You're right. He you're right. He does kill them. Um Yeah, that's true. Because Mace talks about that. He's like, you kill them, you just don't want to take responsibility. He yeah. does kill them. Um I don't know. I guess like I, I kind of didn't like the scene where he like there's a scene when Mace is leaving and Carvaster jumps onto the I think it's a a speeder and he's like like I respect you and Mace Windu's just like fuck off. Yeah. The, I got <laughs> really tired of all those conversations where I was like mm-hmm. uh hello uh cousin brother whatever it directly would translate to like they're they're explicitly not brothers but yeah. Uh, Plan made of some sort. Yeah. And like he's like, or no. Nephew or, and he's yeah. like, eh, yeah? No. Yeah, but what yeah. if we are? No. And it was kind of frustrating, too, where, like, you can, I don't know, from the reader's point, you can kind of understand, like, like, what he's going through. Especially where, like, Mace is able to emphasize with Depa, who's like, we don't know, for one, we don't really know exactly what Depa did. So Depa's kind of gone mad. She's been lost in the darkness. Um, we don't know exactly how. It seems like she did some pretty shady shit while she was re- leading the little uh, mercenary group. Yeah. But They also do uh, make a point of, like, the thing that the ULF, which is the uh, guerrilla the group that, yeah. Yeah, that Depa's with, the things that they get credit for doing, that they kind of take credit for doing, a lot of the times, they didn't really do anything. It was mm-hmm. just... They did one or two things and then kind of let the fear of them spread by shit that just like happens because of what's going on between every other group in the summertime mm-hmm. war and just happens in the jungle. But uh yeah, one thing they're that's... like for, Go ahead. sorry. Yeah, Depa's main thing is she's like a conduit of all the negative energy because she's yeah. a Jedi and she's empathetic. Sorry, continue. One thing that always kind of bothers me with Star Wars and Maybe it's just something that's leaking into this, and I'd have to go back and check how much Mace actually does it, because I don't know that he actually does in this, but like a lot of the times there'll be this one big bad, which is kind of Carvaster here, and the Jedi will slaughter like six trillion other random mm-hmm. bad guys. I think like Luke in actual in Battlefront Two is does this mm-hmm. with uh yeah. with the guy, but he'll like kill a bunch of people heading to him. There's this one guy who's like clearly done the worst things, like, no. I can't kill you. You must stand trial for this. And mm-hmm. it's wrong to kill you. It's like, okay, well, you didn't you didn't care about that like five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, I made a meme about that like last year where it was like the Jedi will do anything they can to like redeem this one main character, Dark Side user, then slaughter like the hundred stormtroopers like that he's yeah. got to kill on the way to the final confrontation. Yeah. Um I, I don't know if he did that ex- specifically but one moment that i found really frustrating in the book is so they kind of all leads towards this one final battle which i'm sure we'll talk later and there's one part where it comes down to um depa steals an enemy um like uh i think i forgot what they call it um a gunship yeah steals a gunship and he kills she kills a bunch of troopers inside and mace acts like she's just committed like the worst sin ever but like literally two seconds before that Mace Windu had tricked all the droid starfighters in the area to fire on those vessels. So, like, he had, like, pretty much directly been responsible for killing, like, probably a thousand people. And Depa's killed, like, ten. And he's acting like she's the one who's, like, lost sight of the big picture here. 
And like like Mace, like there's no there's literally no difference between what you did. Just you killed more people. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if that's intended to be that way, because like it's not even through inaction, it's through action there that like he's causing these people to die. And it's like just because she literally hefted the lightsaber, it's like Yeah. 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 I didn't like that. Yeah. Uh, well, she tries to kill herself at the end, and then Nick shoots the gun out of her, or shoots the lightsaber out of her hand. So that was pretty epic. But I gotta take my kid to go pee. I'll be right back. All right. He just opened the door. So yeah, like Mace doesn't like Mace tries to avoid killing people pretty much as much as possible in the book. Uh, so it's it's certainly less true here than it is in a lot of other Star Wars stuff. But when you get towards that last bit of the book where it is just kind of the all-out battle, he does make a lot more attempts to uh, to keep Carr alive than he does with a lot of other people. And it is symbolically bigger for him, but it's still, uh, Sorry, I'm back still not quite as pure as he would probably like to think it is. But, Sorry about uh, that. No problem. Had to get him lifted on there. He could do the rest himself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, what, so what were you saying there? Uh, I was just talking more about Mace killing versus not killing and taking Carvaster mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I did like how Mace is kind of like struggling with the dark side through this book. Like he's like, I, I like that one scene where he's fighting off the gunships and he is like looking for an excuse to murder the ones that are fleeing away, and he's like, what the hell. <laughs> Um, I yeah, I for me there was like I don't know probably the halfway point in this book. I, I can think of really the part where he rescues those kids, and then he has got to fight off the the um the Balawai, like the the mercenaries and the families and stuff. And like the 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 opening part of the book does a really good job of like making you feel like this war is like just so goddamn stupid. Like there's no. Nobody, like, everybody's lost the point completely. Like, it's just hate, and, like, no one even really remembers why they're fighting, or if they do, it's, like, that's beyond the point. It's, like, it's a sport at this point, basically. And, like, at that point, Mace Windu is right in the middle of it because um, he rescues these Balawai children, um, but even still, the Balawai don't trust him. They take pot shots at him and try to kill them, try to kill him. Then he's in the middle of this big war. Uh, and I really enjoyed that part because it was like, yeah, this is just a messy, like there's, this is just war and there's no, no one's going to win. It's just completely wrong. And then after that point, I think the book kind of lost the, lost the the thread for me a little bit. That's when we got our action movie. Yeah. Um, it's just like, for me, the first, and I kind of wonder whether that's like Matthew Stover wrote the first half of the book and then like submitted that for like an early editor or something and they're like yeah this is like gonna be too heavy so like because it almost does feel like it's the second part of the book's done by a different author not saying it was i'm just saying like it seems like he purposely changed the tone yeah i don't it just it tries to wrap everything up a bit too cleanly which may be uh mm -hmm. a star wars thing where it's like oh uh the solution like the to all your problems war. is just don't kill each other like, oh don't don't kill each other and we think of that if you're having a big war just don't yeah and then he goes back off to fight the other big war yeah yeah um yeah it's like i i don't know that part was kind of shitty um 
And yeah, like I don't think I needed an action movie at the end. Um especially not with like another outside force coming to save things because like that's not the solution and like I, I don't know what kind of what kind of message that is because like it is a colonial war like the war yeah. is happening because an outside force came in and tried to claim like riches off the planet like so you're just having yeah. a so now there's a benevolent government somewhere like I don't know <laughs> yeah the the last few pages are basically colonialism good actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um just look at my notes here. And I also found that in that second half, Nick's character also became a lot more of comic relief. Yeah. Um, Once he has his, like, initial big moment mm-hmm. in that section, it's, uh, like, once he makes the decision to kind of side with Mace in that, then it, it just, it he kind of has already done his purpose, and then he's just there to be told to shut up. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, like, he's, he has some lighthearted moments in the first half. And he's got some jokes, but like he's still obviously like a distressed character throughout a lot of what's going on. Like he's got moments where he's quiet. Uh, like the second half of the book is just him saying she a lot and like saying, "Oh, we're gonna die, aren't we, Mace?" And it's like, all right, <laughs> Come on now. Um, but what did th- you think of? Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna bring up the rattle test, so you can you can go. It's probably more relevant than what I was gonna talk I was about. Just, no, no, go ahead. I was gonna put to move on, so feel free. Uh, well, there there was a bit of like how they got the uh the Jedi into into the order, and it's Mace joining. So he's like, "My next lesson: Yoda had come to take the rattle away, and I, with my infant's instinctive selfishness, had refused to release it." Uh, holding on with both my hands and all I could summon of the Force, the rattle broke to my infant mind a tragedy like the end of the world. For that had been Yoda's way of introducing the Jedi to law of non-attachment. Holding too tightly what we love will destroy it. I feel like that's just going to bring even more like attachment disorders to the Jedi and make them more afraid of losing shit. Like that just seems like yeah. a horrible, horrible plan. Yeah, someone with kids, you can't reason to uh, someone who can't speak. Like, I'm sorry, Mace, you didn't understand that when you were a kid. That didn't help. I'm sorry, yeah, I just like, didn't. This, <laughs> the Jedi really do need like some sort of like child psychiatrist or psychologist to be in the order like oh this is actually none of what you're doing is good but if you (laughs) if you need to do this if you need to just you need to indoctrinate these children uh this is not how you make them not be afraid of losing things you don't Mm -hmm. crush their toys when they're children (laughs) like jesus christ is it's it's next time we order mcdonald's and gonna eat one of gus's nuggets and be like (laughs) i was just teaching him not to get a Attached. Yeah, like, geez, fuck. I don't want to be dick. obese when he gets older. <laughs> <laughs> I want me to be obese. Yeah, exactly. Um, what did you think of speaking of Jedi? What did so? What did you think about Depa? I, I I feel like her kind of kind of character at the intro is never fully delivered. Like the levels that she is at that point when she's recording that hollow message. I don't know. Well, you, that was faked, right? So, well, it was faked, but I mean, like. I guess I just don't really understand why she wanted him there in the first place then. Yeah, that that setup uh, like it was trying to like it's unclear if it was like are you trying to keep him away, get him there, are you trying to get him there and then do something to show him what's going on or are you really tr- cuz she kind of goes back and forth on it a bit herself where it's like that's what I thought that she was so my understanding was the setup was fake, like the slaughter was fake, but her 
kind of speech. I didn't know if that was or not. Mm. But I, I might have just missed that. It's very possible I just missed that. Uh, like, I don't think the basic sentiments of it were fake, but like the uh, poetics and the core of what she was saying, she believed. But I don't think she'd fallen as far as she had or as far as she was pretending to yet. And then she mm-hmm. kind of did by the end of the book. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't really get a lot done. Mm-hmm. She's mostly there as kind of the, the warning to Mace. And then she just spends the rest of the Clone Wars in a coma. I also don't know if she was that far gone. I mean, she tried to kill herself, which for a Jedi is like. Really bad. Um, like yeah, she Jedi was more like in despair than necessarily. Yeah, like, like, again, that's such a Star Wars thing. Like, oh, she's got a serious, like, breakdown. Put her in a coma in a bag to tank till the end of the Clone Wars. (laughs) Um, When does... I'm not really clear what happened. No, she's she's gone forever in Legends. I don't think she really... Because she's in in there in the Clone Wars comics when, like, Trissaw's there. She's, Mm -hmm. like, kept in a garden up on the Jedi roof or some shit. But in because she's not on the council anymore, Obi-Wan gets her spot. And that's right. kind of the that's kind of got to be the case in canon as well, where she's like she goes through something similar there, gets taken off the council, but then she gets put back on the council in canon later. And she's definitely active again because she's got uh, Anon as her apprentice. Yeah. Or so. Kayla, whatever. Yeah. I, there's even a reference to it, I think. Um in one of the comics, someone sent this to me, um, where she's like, I, I, I don't know if I can find the exact thing. Someone sent it to me on Twitter where she's like, basically says she's fine. It like references some event and she's like, yeah, I'm fine now. Um, but yeah, so I used to get her confused a bit with Luminara, especially with like Rebels, where they find mm. her in that cryo thing. It's like, wait, is that Depa? It's like, it's Luminara Depa, but I, that's not the case. Yeah. yeah, it's like probably the. The HF kind of like, yeah. I I was too, but I, I couldn't remember. Like, I, I didn't realize a lot of like, it's interesting how much of Star Wars, like <laughs> Clone Wars lore ends up being like who George decided to film for the council for that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> he's like, I wanted to make new aliens for episode two. It's like, oh, well, we got lots of stories now. <laughs> a lot of it for like Stas Alley and Eddie Gallia and those ones, it was just. They couldn't they were filming in Australia and couldn't get the actors and actresses there for like the Geonosis mm-hmm. scenes versus the council scenes. Mm-hmm. So they got uh so they turned into new characters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's a lot of lots of storytelling to be done there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, um anything else you want to mention about the book? It's 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 good. I mean, I th- again I think the first half's a lot better. Second half was quite a letdown. But I'll say Mace Windu's plan was absolute shit. Mace Windu's like, I've got a plan. He's like, droid starfighters are dumb. And then like his plan is getting the entire Republic cruiser destroyed, most of the clones killed, most of the dropships destroyed, and he brings war to the city. Like, Mace Windu's plan is dog shit. Yeah. Like it's so bad. Like Mace Windu's Mace Windu's like, oh, I think about how many civilians died over this battle. Like, you brought the battle to the city. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, it was your idea at first to load people up in the, like, in the passenger liners and, like, try to dis- distract the, the droids. Like, what are you talking about, Mace? Yeah. 
He's like, he's such an, like, he makes everything way worse. Yeah, mostly. Especially because, I mean, that guy was tracking his lightsaber as well. So, I mean, that's not, I'm not going to blame that one on him. But, I mean, you, you'd think you'd notice if something was off with your lightsaber, but whatever. Yeah. Or I guess they were tracking his signature or something. So, whatever. So, you're giving, uh, you're giving the book an A in our yeah. reductive tier list? So yeah, you were working on a, a spreadsheet, right? How's that? How's that going? Yeah. So I've been working on the spreadsheet right now. I'm just I'm still finishing up the like I'm going through and watching the video we did where we because it's not actually too much work to do because we did a summary video. Remember? Right. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out the best way to do it because like it I could have explained this. I think I was drunk though. Um, where it's like if I have. So I can have like X picks and then Corey's picks separately. And then like, so like say we got Shatterpoint and it's like, okay, you give it an A and I give it an A. I like it. It's just, I want to make it so we can easily sort by um, yeah. the grades. But like if it's, I, I don't want to get it. It's hard. It's hard to explain. So the formatting troubles I'm having, you need three columns, right? Yeah. Yes. And what we need to do for that is just for the spreadsheet, we need to turn uh, S through D or E or F or whatever we add as the limit. Uh, need to have those as numbers instead. Then I think for... there's got to be a way to set your own custom alphabet for for ordering things. Well, I mean, anyway. so you can get an average for the third column. Oh, okay. Then you can have the third column be the average of the first two. Right. And then we can have that be numbers and just convert that back to the letter grade. Yeah, I guess for me, it's like, OK, if you want to, like, say I want to sort Corey's by highest, like, is that going to mess mine up? Like, I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense. You I can't have them both sorted that way at the same time. But... That's why I think it's probably better if I just have if I just have it be two separate columns for each of us and then do one at the bottom like of like an average or something i don't know okay we'll yeah, figure we'll that out but we're, we'll figure that out later we're making progress yeah uh so yeah i i'm gonna agree i think i'm putting this with a as well uh matthew mm -hmm. stover is quickly becoming one of my favorite star wars authors i don't think he's written a bad book so no i asked him if he'd t if he'd give me the Jean long interpretation and he said no yeah well <laughs> We do have a few emails, but well, we had a lot of emails, but I deleted a lot of emails. Yeah, of course. A lot uh, of spam emails. Yeah. Sorry. We got a special guest. Yeah. Special say hi, Gus. Guest. Hi, Gus. Say hi, everybody. What? Hi, hey. Gus. August, what do you rate Shatterpoint? They can hear me. Yeah, they can hear you. I like it. <laughs> he said there's I guess. Right. can you say Shatterpoint gets an A? Good enough. Alright. <laughs> okay. Alright, sorry. Uh what were you saying? Sorry. Uh let no, my was, child distract me from starting. I was saying uh the I deleted a lot of spam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've been getting I've been trying not to talk about it because I don't want to encourage whoever's doing it, but... Well, I I just wasn't aware you were job hunting as much as you are. Yeah, I know. For legal assistant jobs. <laughs> yeah. 
Very right. cool. So our first questions come from Austin, who also sent their thoughts for the book. But their questions were, uh, what do you think Deba's ultimate fate would have been? Purely speculating, do you think Stover meant everyone else, for everyone else to leave her alone? Or is it a plot thread that could have been followed up on later? Similarly, how did you like Vaster's villain? Would you have read a story about him busting heads in prison or something? Um, I think uh, he let, leaves it purposefully ambiguous. Um, I forget which Spartan it is, if it's Kelly or Linda in Halo, who like is literally... Uh, in the first book, she dies, but Master Chief is like, she can maybe be resurrected if we find... It's like, I feel like he he literally meant to put her in stasis, which is kind of what he does. He wants you to put his slipper back on. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think he would have had any problems with her being rehabilitated, but I also don't think... Like, when you're working with a big franchise, you got to kind of realize that a lot of the time you can set things up, but, like, you may not have the ultimate choice on what happens to a character yeah so i think he was probably leaving it open uh carvaster was cool i liked his character but I, I don't know if i needed a story about him yeah i like carvaster uh i'm glad he's back in shadows of mindor but i'll have to see how i feel about him there uh mm -hmm. i do think like maybe stover would have cared or been more invested in someone else doing something with Nick or Carvaster. Like Nick is in yeah. Force on Nights, but uh, like Depa is a pre-existing character that he went and did something with. Uh, and like Star Wars authors and authors in general, they're obviously going to be a bit more attached to their own characters. Like uh, Timothy yeah. Zahn being not thrilled with what happens to Mara. But mm -hmm. yeah, there was also a question about the... Uh, how do you picture the gunships? I thought of them like droid gunships, but obviously doesn't work. Black Planet LAATs. So they're actually made by Sinar rather than mm -hmm. uh, Rathana. So they'd probably look fairly different. I don't think Stover was picturing them as being like lat equivalents per se, because they seem to have a decent amount of space inside as well. There was one point that really messed me up where it talked about because um, Mace is jumping in and attacking the gunship and he describes going into like the the weapon bulbs. I was like, what? Like, is this a lat? Because it, it is kind of d described for a minute like it's a lat. Like, you know how they've got those little turret bulbs that the yeah. gunners go in? Um, but it turns out that those are like um, laser cannons or something. I, I kind of imagined it almost like the. What's the Imperial dropship from? Um, the IDT? In, yeah, I almost imagined like the IDT, but with um, bulb turrets. Bulb turrets, yeah. I could see that. Because it does but, have kind of the scenery tie panel stuff, but but it needs some space. Because you're right, it talks about holding like twenty to thirty people, which a lot could not. I think a lot holds like what a dozen, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and they were like pretty well situated in there, yeah. so there seems to be a decent amount of room to maneuver inside it. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Austin. Our next email comes from Christopher, who says. Dear Corey, in your lore video on the Pentastar alignment, you present the picture of the alignment being a totalitarian nightmare, worse than Palpatine's empire in some respects, especially in regards to alien suppression. However, on Wikipedia and most Star Wars source books, it paints Artist Kane as a pragmatic imperial who tried to truly practice the New Order and had a strong distaste for human high culture, allowing non-humans to serve in the Pentastar patrol and being given leadership positions. As a premier Pentastar expert, is Kane a good imperial like Pelion, uh, there's a lot to unpack there, or a total villain? What do you think, Justin? Uh, Any thoughts I'm here? No, go ahead. So uh, the way Kane is usually presented is that like his dad is a complete 
uh, human supremacist, and Kane personally doesn't care as much, but he tries to live up to his dad's ideals. So he is, on a personal level, probably wouldn't have cared as much about uh, about uh, suppressing alien rights, but he does it in practice, and while there were aliens that served in like the Penistar patrols and stuff, uh, the Penistar line was still heavily involved in alien slaving and Kane was involved because of trying to like make his daddy proud in forming comp nor even though he did leave it eventually so like the age the aliens are also fascists <laughs> yeah like he was he wasn't as bad as Ishin Ilraz is kind of like good for him like it, it's hard to give you credit for being like not explicitly the worst just okay with people doing the worst stuff because it gets you farther it's not that much better <laughs> he was kind of like wasn't he kind of a the pedestal alignment kind of like a bastion for the hardliners too yeah so like, like they tried very much to do like new order stuff as much as possible yeah. while they still had some elements of like aliens could do things that they couldn't necessarily do in other places but it, it was always a mixed bag yeah so it makes sense if you got that kind of that that bastion that it is going to be end up being you know kind of crazy in there yeah uh lords of arnor ass love the podcast and shatterpoints the first book i was able to read along with you guys thanks to audible so my question is that it seems to me matthew stover is really good at diving into characters and really explain how they work while also working in generally very dark settings like Mason, Her, and Cal, Anakin, Revenge of the Sith, and Jason during Traitor. So my question is, if Matt Stover ever writes a Star Wars book in the new canon, what character would you want him to write about, and why? Me, personally, I would like to see him write about Barriss O'Fay and how she turns into the Dark Jedi. She becomes in the fifth season of The Clone Wars. That'd be an interesting one. Uh, I thought he was leading towards the Kylo Ren answer there. Um, so, I mean, I guess we've had the comics and stuff, but... I mean, that's the story that I'm sure is going to be told at some point. Um... Mm -hmm. But yeah, what are, what are your thoughts? My answer would probably be Ahsoka. Hmm. Ahsoka would be a good one. Um, like a post-Endor Ahsoka. Mm. But we're going to get oh. a post-Endor Ahsoka, so. Yeah. I don't know. How much do we even know about what happened to Barriss? I'm trying to think back to that whole arc. Like, yeah, I don't even really remember. But that That could be interesting. I don't know, like, I feel like we're, it's going to be a while till Star Wars returns to a bunch of Clone Wars stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it's probably for the best. Like, there was like 20 years where we just got loaded with Clone Wars stuff nonstop. Yeah. So. There's Clone Wars for days everywhere. All right. Uh, do you want to end it there? Yeah, yeah. I, I unexpectedly have a little munchkin, so it might be best if we end it for there. Um... Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for watching. Um, next week, are we going to continue with YJK? Yeah, I think we'll be doing Young Jedi Knights next week. And at that point, we'll be able to get to any questions that we missed for this week. So if you didn't get your question answered, uh, don't worry about it. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, is there the Emperor's Storehouse next week? Is the book title? I think? The Emperor's Plague. The Emperor's Plague, right. Emperor's Storehouse was uh, it didn't test well with the young audiences. <laughs> What's a storehouse? <laughs> yeah. The Emperor's organizational standards. Do you have any ideas for the week <laughs> after that? If people want to get started. Um, 
Do we? Where are we at? Black Fleet Crisis. We might need to start Black Fleet Crisis. Yeah. All right. Uh, before the storm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So Black Fleet <laughs> Crisis One. Did you see that? Yeah. You just bounced in on a little <laughs> thing and then just absolutely wiped out. <laughs> just said sorry. Here, do you want to say goodbye? Oh, can you say goodbye, everybody? Make sure to rate five stars. Make sure to rate five stars. It's not going to cut it, buddy. Make sure to rate five stars. No, he's not interested. <laughs> he's not rating five stars. No, that's going to be a one star. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back in about half an hour on X2 with the X2 podcast. Less and... children, guaranteed. Well, well Charlie's. Charlie. <laughs> yeah, fuck. All right. Bye, All right. everyone. Bye.